0: A chassid wakes his wife up in the middle of the night and he says, my dear, I've had a dream. I dreamed that I have become the leader of the entire community. And his wife said, dear, that's wonderful. Now all you have to do is get the rest of the community to have the same dream. One of the things we know about dreams is that our own don't always carry the day. This is the story of Joseph. Joseph. When Joseph is young, he has dreams, and they get him in trouble, and then he falls by dreams. But yet, when he goes to Egypt and interprets the dream of the cupbearer and the baker and Pharaoh, he becomes a great success. And the difference between the dreams at the beginning and the dreams at the end is at the beginning, Joseph only listens to his own dreams. At the end... He listens to the dreams of others. I didn't know exactly how I was going to frame this talk about dreams. Well, I did, but it all got changed yesterday. My dear friend, Francine Weiss, loves to say that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. So, boy, was God anonymous with me yesterday. I knew that I was going to be speaking to an empty congregation and yet virtually a very full one. And I knew what I would be talking about, but I did not know until I happened to be rifling through some old papers in my desk yesterday what I would discover. I'll tell you in a minute, but what I really want to tell today are dreams that come from the story of three different synagogues. The first synagogue is called the Wolpa Synagogue. That synagogue that you see on your screen was built in the small town of Wolpa, which was on the Polish-Lithuanian border in Grodno, and it was considered the most beautiful wooden synagogue in Eastern Europe and it was burned right before the war. That's the first synagogue where there were dreams, but the synagogue is gone forever. And then yesterday, the coincidence, I found something that I wrote over 40 years ago. When I went for my freshman year at the University of Pennsylvania, That same year, my father's synagogue moved from 54th and Overbrook in Winfield out to Penn Valley to Gladwin. And I snuck in before I left to stand inside the synagogue in which I had grown up and to see it one more time. And I stood inside an empty sanctuary. It had a profound effect on me. And when I went to college and became, this will be no surprise to any of you, an English major, they asked us to write about a powerful experience we had had. And I wrote a paper that I discovered in my desk yesterday. And I'm going to read it to you. I called it How Goodly Are Thy Tents. And this is what I wrote about seeing that empty synagogue over 40 years ago. Slowly I ascend the steps of the synagogue. I remember when throngs of worshipers would have been at my side walking with me ages ago. The temple has moved to another place. As I climb, I feel I am saying goodbye to too much. I open the door carefully as if I would otherwise awaken things better left asleep. The corridor looks the same, but it no longer leads anywhere. I approach the door of the main sanctuary. I am no longer sure that I wish to see. It hasn't changed. The majestic pulpit still towers over rows and rows of seats, yet they are empty. I don't think I've ever seen them that way before. No bewildered children, no annoyed parents. Gone are the old men who have come to cry to the one they know listens. The giant stained-glass windows still offer their mute message, but there are no takers. The sun continues to shine through them, illuminating nothing. I stoop to pick up a piece of paper left on the floor, a page torn from a prayer book. Its words lament the exile of the children of Israel from their land. Two thousand years have passed since it was written. How does the city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become as a widow? She that was great among nations and princess among provinces, how has she become a tributary? Gently, knowingly, I replaced the paper. I approached the Aron Kodesh, the Holy Ark, where the Torah scrolls were once kept, where the curtain is open, all rise out of respect, and slowly I open the curtain. No one stands, no one sings. There is no reverence for emptiness. The holiest place in the synagogue, how is she become like a widow? Hurt and confused, I shut the curtain. I look out on the seat, standing where I stood when first I chanted the prayers before the congregation, years in preparation for that moment and all it meant. On that very spot, my father told me of his dreams and hopes for me. Now as I chant those same prayers, they echo and fly back to me, hollow and taunting. Rushing towards the exit, I turn back for one last look. I hadn't noticed it before. The final tribute to the remoteness of the past. On the pulpit hangs the eternal light, the light that is to burn forever. It is out. And I leave. Outside, I take a deep breath of the present. And once again, the synagogue is empty. Except for the peace of myself that I left behind. This is the third time I have been in an empty synagogue. The first in my imagination in Wolpa that exists no more, and the second in the synagogue I grew up in that still exists but will never be a synagogue again. This this is the one I have hope for. After the Second World War, children who had been taken from their parents or whose parents had given them away when they were taken to the camps grew up all over in different institutions, convents, and others in Eastern Europe. And when the war was over, the Jewish community tried to figure out how to get their children back. And they hit on a strategy... They sent representatives of different Jewish groups all over Eastern Europe and some in Western Europe. And they went to churches and convents and orphanages and they gathered up all the children and this is what they did. They walked among them. And they went, Shema Yisrael... Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. And the children who joined in, they were the Jewish children. They joined in because their parents had sung them the Shema every night from the moment that they were born. And so the dreams of their parents saved those children, even though their parents were not saved. I think how many times the Shema has been said by children in this sanctuary. I know it is empty now, but I know those dreams, they are alive. This has been a very difficult year for the world, for institutions, for individuals, but also this synagogue has lost hundreds of members and tremendous amounts of funding. Millions of dollars. And when I would speak to the families, they would say to me, well, Rabbi, I'm going to take a year off. And I thought, I didn't say it, but I will say it now. I thought, you take a year off from tennis lessons. You take a year off from European trips. You don't take a year off from the dreams of your ancestors. You don't take a year off from those people who saw the Wolpa Synagogue burn, who sang Shema to their children and then left them. Because they would not survive. You don't take a year off from thousands of years. We have gone through worse and we never took a year off. We are about to recite the Yisker service. And do you know what the Yizkor prayer, the traditional Yizkor prayer has in it? Ani no dev I give tzedakah in memory of my ancestors because of the values they cared about. Now I know it will sound strange to some of you, although not to others, that we would ask for tzedakah for the synagogue on Yom Kippur or a pledge to the synagogue on Yom Kippur. but this is the time to listen to the dreams of others. This is where we educate children. This is where we fill the sanctuary. And on this strange and terrible year, when the sanctuary is empty, let us not allow that light to go out. You know what we have faced as a people, as a world. But I say to you, in the midst of an empty sanctuary, join us, give what you can. Don't believe that empty sanctuaries cannot happen in our history. Don't believe that Judaism can survive without you. Help us. Help us keep the Nair Tamid alight until that day. When once again, this place will be filled with the voices of parents and grandparents and children. And we will say once more with our hearts and with our hope, Matovu ohalecha Yaakov mishkenotecha Yisrael, How wonderful are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places, O Israel. And we say to our ancestors who whisper through the generations, we are still here. We did not forget.